Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to It is, in fact, feeling like overtime as we get towards the trade deadline, Marty. It's like the clock is constantly ticking. How many more moves will be made? And I have to think, like, this is a fascinating time for you, for other netminders, for those who've lived the pro goaltending experience. Not only are you looking ahead, you know, potentially to those incredible playoff games when those moments arrive, but just getting there. And if there's uncertainty right now, Man, it must wear on your nerves. I, I I applaud you and our guest today, Mike McKenna, for navigating all those years in various places along the way. How would you describe Mike before he joins us today? Oh, well, Mike obviously has been around the block a time or two. He has traveled through all three pro leagues, East Coast Hockey League, American Hockey League, National Hockey League, but he's a student of the game. His detailed work on goaltender, uh, and he does a lot of also um, consulting work with young goaltenders in the college ranks and in youth hockey. So uh, his detailed work is impeccable. Uh, the only problem with him is he caught the wrong end, so uh, that's what made him weird. But other than that, he's a pretty normal guy. <laughs> he's been doing outstanding work with the ever-evolving Daily Faceoff, and we thank all of them for their incredible work here leading up to the deadline. And I thought Mike was terrific in his role as an analyst on uh, the Vegas broadcast for a few seasons. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca resorts and casinos, betting counters are open daily. Self-service betting kiosks are available 24 seven at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny or Buffalo Creek, the sports lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens. So you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Mike, the hours are uh, rapidly ticking away here towards the deadline. There have already been uh, big stories, and, and the John Quick one was a little out of left field in the sense of legacy with the Kings and uh, probably some tough feelings for John. What more are you anticipating here with Quick and other goalies before the deadline? Uh, you know, I kind of had a batting order regarding goalies I thought would get traded, and it was a short list. Um, Quick was not on that list because I didn't see him as being a target. You know, I didn't see him as being an answer to a team who needed help in the playoffs, um, just because, frankly, it's been five years since we've seen Jonathan Quick perform at his best level in the NHL over a consistent season. So um, I had Corpusalo probably number two on my list. I had Cam Talbot as number one, but Corpusalo were kind of interchangeable with one another, I would say. So um, for a team like L.A. to take on Corpusalo, I'm not very surprised. He's a, he's a very dynamic, athletic goaltender who's having a great resurgence season coming off of hip surgery uh, this past offseason. Um, and I think, like, you know, Marty, like, you think about how playing hurt can affect you. Like, yeah. Corpusalo, the last <laughs> two seasons, was never healthy in, in Columbus. And we saw that really hurt his level of play. And this year, to me, Marty, he's been very good. He's been miles better than Elvis Merzlikens' goalie partner there. Problem is that he's a UFA, and Columbus has Merzlikens and Daniil Tarasov on one ways next year. So I think it was smart biz by Yarmo Kekalainen uh, to move Corpusello out and on LA's part, you know, to bring him in playing good hockey and put him in tandem with Phoenix Copley, who's done an admirable job, but I don't think they viewed him as the answer in playoffs. 
Well, that's the thing. It's a big question mark in LA, right? Like, can Felix Copley win your playoff round? Like, he's won games, but his numbers have not been, you know, rocking anybody's world right now. So could that allow Copley to maybe play a little less, more quality, less quantity, Corpusello to maybe give you a boost? Uh, I like that. But for me, it's the hard decision to say to a Kings legend mm -hmm. who's won cups with them and was like an uh, an all world, right? Like Jonathan Quick, he actually revolutionized a lot of how the goalies play now with the reverse VH and all of that. Like he was not just a really good goaltender. I, in my opinion, not on Patrick Roy's level, but the same way Patrick changed the way of the game by the butterfly and everything. Jonathan Quick, I think, changed a lot of what the goalies do now with their low to the ice play and everything. And then making that move, I, I probably the hardest thing Rob Blake and Luke Robitaille have had to do over years is to say to Jonathan Quick, we've traded you to Columbus. I mean, that's yeah. a tough one. It is. And I wonder if it's a grenade in the locker room. That's the one part that I worry yeah. is if there's any lasting ramifications from this. I mean, you know, teams get over things pretty quickly, but this one's going to sting, man. Like Quick is, to me, Quick's a surefire Hall of Famer. No doubt in my mind. Two Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe. I mean, he he's the greatest American-born goaltender, arguably, of all time, him and Ryan Miller, I think could you gotta, be. You got to remember right this is a Buffalo pod here. You got to hey, get put it. Miller one. You got to get hate I, mail. Here's the thing, Ryan Miller deserves he deserves more credit than he gets. He's just he didn't win the cups, and you know how that works with the Hockey Hall yeah. of Fame. If you don't win the cups, I mean, which is crazy because Tom Barrasso's not in there, Mike Vernon's not in there. We could go down the list of guys that probably deserve it, but um, I, I just think it's for quick. It's just like man you spend your whole career with one franchise to get dumped off at the end in a salary cap move. You think that LA could have done it some other way. Um, but realistically, this is just, it is just business. And I'll tell you, it's about as weird as when Marty Brodeur finished his career as a St. Louis blue, Yeah, because I don't see quick oh playing gosh. beyond this year. I just don't. I think do this you is see it. Him, do you see him playing in Columbus? I don't, I don't. Do you think somebody takes him as an insurance policy now for a draft pick? Good question. Um, I could see I could see Columbus doing a lot of things, right? They just got draft capital out of this deal. Now they've got two first round picks. They've got two thirds coming in the next couple of rounds. I could see them going after Chikrin real easily, try to make that deal and and then maybe flipping quick out. But I don't see Quick's value. I wouldn't want Quick at all. Like I and I hate yeah. I'm I am, you know, dragging on one of the greatest goalies here, but man, like I don't trust his game whatsoever. You know, it's nah. there's been a huge difference between him and Copley this year and mm -hmm. Copley's a career number three journeyman which is basically me Copley caught a good bounce <laughs> I wish I caught yeah. that bounce at some time in my life <laughs> you know I never got that one yeah that's that's true with quick but again you talk Chikrin and your partner at dailyfaceoff.com Frank Cervalli said well maybe Columbus tries to get Chikrin and flips quick down to Arizona maybe Arizona looks to trade Vimelka, who's on your guys' list at number 39, I believe, uh, on the trade bait, but it, only the second goalie left out there, Talbot, and then Vimelka. Uh, let's talk Carol Vimelka quickly, because let's Duffer was the one a couple of years ago that saw him in training camp and was like, that's the best goalie they got in Arizona. And he loves him because he catches like you, Mike, with the right hand, and Duffer is a southpaw. So... Is there a market for Carol Vimelka? I actually don't trust him on a good team. I think he's a good goalie on a bad team. I don't know that I trust him on a good team. But is there a market for Vimelka right now? 
it's you got to look at who's going to want him. Is he coming in to be the savior for a playoff team? That's not what I don't see. You know, I see him as an ancillary piece right now, either a 1A or a 1B, or maybe on a team that's mid-level thinking that they're going to move up. The, the one team out there that I'm intrigued by, Marty, I can't help but wonder if Jersey thinks Vanacek's enough because you can't keep Blackwood healthy. Ugh. I wonder about it, right? Like, wouldn't Vimelka kind of fit in that role? I know what you just said about good or bad team, but I wouldn't mind that. You got some cost certainty with that deal. Mm-hmm. A Vanacek-Vimelka combo, that'd be pretty nice for me. And even looking around the league at other clubs that may need a longer-term solution in net, how many of them exist? Ottawa, there's one. Talbot's going to uh, Talbot's not coming back there. So you just have Forsberg. Sogard's not ready. Um, I, I think there could be a market for Vemelka. It would have to be kind of a specific fit. And like I say, I don't think he's coming in to be, you know, your playoff savior. I think he's a growth piece at a cost controlled uh, dollar figure. So did you have anybody in mind, Marty, you thought he could potentially fit with? Well, no, but you mentioned New Jersey, and I always think of the numbers, right? But if you put Blackwood on long-term IR and you free yourself the $2.5 million that he is and Vimelka's at 2.75, all of a sudden you can make it work. But it's also, well, is Blackwood really hurt that he could go on long-term IR? And then you think about next year, I think New Jersey could be a, a spot, yes. But I don't see, like, teams that need goaltending around the NHL that are in this kind of a weird situation right now, Vegas, right? Ve- Vegas, mm-hmm. yeah. like Logan Thompson at the start of the season, I was like, yeah, let's see what he's got. And now the injury and now Laurent Bross was potential injury as well. Like there's, there's a need there. They're first, they're first <laughs> in the Pacific. They are first in the Western conference and how, how they is could the get Pacific, a goalie. How is the Pacific Vegas, LA, Seattle, based on what everybody would have said about their goaltending going into the year. And even now, like there's so many questions. Here's, here's the thing about Vegas. They got a lot of goalies, but do they have game changing, healthy goalies? Okay. Now Thompson at the start of the year was insulated by incredible defense around him from the, from Bruce Cassidy when he came in and and established that. And Thompson lived up to it. Okay. Like just because you have good defense, doesn't mean you're going to play great. He was very good at the start and he's had flashes here and there throughout the season, but you've also team seen teams learn how to pick them apart. There's parts to his game as low as wide as he plays as impatient as he is on his edges. Teams now see that they can counter that. So it's been a cat and mouse with him. He said flashes, but he's hurt now. Okay. Aiden Hill. I don't think you can trust him. He's playing street hockey for the most part. Laurent Brassois looked amazing in his three games that came back, but now he's injured yet again and coming off a hip surgery and Michael Hutchinson's there. Well, the Leafs tried him. Colorado tried him. (laughs) They got a lot of goalies that they consider NHL goalies, but how many of them are at this stage, somebody you can depend upon and Vegas, they still got a lot of cap space left, man. Like Barbashev didn't chew up a lot of it. When's the last time Vegas didn't use up every penny of the salary cap there's no way with them leading the pacific and a fairly easy route out of the west that they don't load up there's been smoke around talbot uh, to vegas uh, amongst others i could easily see it happening but i just don't know how they figure it out with as many goalies as they have I, i think somebody would have to go the other direction i actually thought talbot maybe a week and a half ago was going to be a a a really easy goalie target for a team that's in need. I don't Me see too. it anymore in Ottawa. 
they're they're 64 points. They're, you know, five points back of a playoff spots right now. Uh, and they beat Detroit back to back games and their rentals, the the Broussard, uh, Hamannick, Talbot, I don't think are going anywhere. I wouldn't do it if I was the Senators. So who's left? The goalie market is not a strong market already. It was more of a secondary piece. Now people are talking Tasha Demko. I'm like, wait a second. Number one, when are Vancouver, why are Vancouver even thinking of trading Thatcher Demko? But they would never get the, the return that they need for him. Like, I, I just don't see a name that we've been discussing getting moved right now. Yeah, no, I think that that market is, it, it's a soft market and it's not a big buyer's market in both directions. Yeah. You know, who are your best goalies available? My number three goalie available on the list as far as UFAs is Thomas Grice. And he's just a depth piece, right? Like yeah. he's, mm-hmm. he's a guy that if you're, and listen, I, this will drive people say it, but it drive people crazy. But if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you can decide we need a third guy or somebody we can just stash or back up. Maybe you get a Grice, you know, mm-hmm. at this stage, the only team out there that I see that's still in need, I think is Pittsburgh. Uh, Jari with his injury problems to Smith. Can he carry? Could he win you a Stanley Cup? That team has to make playoffs. They have to, Mark. Like you guys mm-hmm. see him all the time. Yeah. I think Talbot could fit there. But again, I think something has to kind of go back the other direction towards Ottawa to make that work. So could a Talbot, you know, does Smith flop out work for those two clubs? I could see that. Um, but you're right. There's just not that many teams, I think, that are in dire need of it besides LA and Pittsburgh. I had targeted and Demko. Yeah, I think he's. If anything, he's an off-season move. I, I wouldn't see that right now at the trade deadline. There's no real choke point to get rid of him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think also, Marty, if you're an NHL GM, don't you want to see Demko play some good hockey again? Like, it's been a tough uh, year Yeah, I would want him to – I would want to see how he can bounce back from – he's had injuries in college ranks and now in the NHL, yeah. so I would want to see how he bounces back. But, but again, if I could get Demko on a bit of a cheaper – like I like Thatcher Demko when he's Agreed. healthy. Like mm-hmm. last year, I had him in my top 10, 12 goalies entering this season. Um, yeah, obviously not healthy. And Vancouver was a shit show, if we could say that. But we can. We're on the podcast, so that's good. Um, <laughs> but they were. They were a shit show all year. So it doesn't work for Thatcher Demko right now. But mm-hmm. I, I could, see, I would definitely throw my hat in the ring to see what the return would be. Well, mm-hmm. if you're Vegas and you just painted it so clearly, Mike, because they always go for it, they always max out the cap. Like, would they be better suited going aggressively on Demko or Gibson or somebody else? I wouldn't touch Gibson. Gibson's oh, right in quick territory God. for me. <laughs> I listen, there's a there's a batch of goalies in the NHL that have been that haven't updated their game in six, seven decade years. Quick Gibson being at the top of the list. Okay. And I wouldn't trust them at all. Like there's the structural element of their game doesn't exist compared to just, I mean, throw a dart at the board and hit a Russian goaltender. Okay. When you want structure, when you want consistency, Sorokin, Shashirkin, Vasilevsky, Kachetkov, who's in the American Hockey League right now, and he's going to be the big guy for the Canes sooner rather than later. What do they all have in common? Unbelievable body control and an amazing ability to stay between their posts, to not chase the game. That's not quick. That's not Gibson. I'm not touching them. But 
if I'm Vegas, I, I don't know what the answer is in the crease. That's the hard part. And the team that I thought for Demco, I've thought all along, LA Kings, he's a Southern California guy, yes. man. Like, you know, what if Corpus Allos just ends up being a rental? What if they don't take a big swing at Demco in the off season? You know, I would love Demco in LA. I would love that fit. Um, but I don't know about a Gibson. Does it, it, it the thing is, oh, Marty, don't you get this feeling that quick and Gibson, I think quick, I think the, I think it's <clears throat> finally passed where GMs realize quick isn't what he used to be. Yeah. But I still see these top 10 articles, a top oh. 10 goalies in the league and Gibson's still in the mix. And I'm Forget just going, about it. Forget about watched? it. Seriously. Watching? Okay. Yeah. So here's, here's how, and this may be really, really bad coming from a guy that wore the same skates for his whole career. Since my second year in juniors until my last day in the NHL, I wore the same skates, okay? But there was no advancement in the skate, like in the development of skates throughout my career. Now, I can tell you this, that for about the last 10 years, okay, goalie skates have gone from the clunky old skates that we used to wear to the new streamlined, better edge control, better edge. John Gibson still wears his old Bowers or CCM from you know 2008 type of skate and I'm like upgrade to the new game like that doesn't work there's still some goalies out there that wear the old clunky shells and you know the cowling the white callings or whatever yep. I'm like it doesn't play into today's game so maybe people are going to say that's way too elementary to think of skates give you the look of the goaltenders but it's part of the whole picture and John Gibson is exactly that it's part of that for all goaltenders. Look at John. Look at Jack Campbell in Edmonton. Oh yeah, it took a it took a puck going through his glove, and and, and frankly, I wrote an article that shamed his equipment. And yeah. right before Christmas, he suddenly switches to more modernized Brian's equipment, other than the which old... doesn't really work for him. It doesn't fit him. I would have gone maybe to a different Vaughn updated equipment but i don't know that the brian's looks so stiff on him again i don't know why but he but this is the point like he hadn't he hadn't upgraded at all he's just running out the same old 10 year old pattern stuff quick was the same way samsonov took samsonov forever to upgrade his gear mm -hmm. like in washington just big old strapped on pads you know the old school straps gibson i think still has old straps he maybe went to velcro too <laughs> I always worry about that when I see goaltenders that aren't Fleury. willing to upgrade equipment. Mark Andre Fleury, yeah, right? Fleury can't let it. But Fleury went to composite sticks this year. Finally, that oh, was a big advancement thank for Flowers. God, but uh, <laughs> but I do always wonder about seeing goaltenders that won't upgrade their equipment because to me that's a microcosm that they're not willing to update more than that. How yeah. much are you willing to adapt your game if you can't take modern technology and equipment and apply it? You should be able to take all that and take advantage of it. Yes. Am I so, wrong to think of Arthur Zerbe and Jamie Store when we're having this discussion? Zerbe <laughs> <laughs> used to have the team bus run over his gear. That's the story I heard. Yeah, so when he great. got the new co-hosts that look like the old ones, and uh, yeah, he did have. But but again, different times, right? Where goalies, when Arthur Zerbe and Jamie Store were playing, like my first few years. We would have the same set of gear the whole season and start the next year with the same set and maybe broke a set halfway, like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Now goalies have five pairs of pads, eight mm -hmm. sets of gloves throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Like it just, it, it upgrades very easily. So it's different, but you're right. Like that's what John Gibson and others yeah. have stayed and stayed in the past instead of moving in the future.
Mike, we don't want to keep you forever on here, um, but we do have a couple of more topics to really hit on. And and obviously, we're going to exclude. We're going. Marty and I are going to remove ourselves from this discussion because we're too <laughs> close to it. Can you tell us what people like you, how you view Buffalo's goaltending this year and where you see it going in the short and long term future? Well. The long-term future, I think, is easy for me to answer. And that goaltender's at Northeastern University right now named yeah. Devin Levi. This guy's sick. Just go watch highlights of him in the Bean Pot or anywhere else he's played recently, World Champion or World Junior Championships uh, a couple of years ago. To me, I don't care if he's six foot tall. This guy's going to be a star in the NHL. I fully believe that. As far as this year, though, listen, I understand trying to wedge in youthful goaltending with Lukanen, who's had stretches that I've liked. I understand why Eric Comrie was someone that the Sabres should have believed in when they signed him to a two-year deal. You know, he, his advanced numbers were good. Uh, the way he plays from a technical standpoint, good, tracks well and things. Craig Anderson's been the best goalie in Buffalo. And, and he's not playing as much as the other guys, right? You know, or on a consistent Can't. basis. But, oh, I'm and supposed to remove myself. Part. Sorry, Duffer. I got in there. I couldn't help myself. I was itching. I was itching. Sorry. Keep going, Mike. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, for me, I, I think that crease is just kind of a mess right now. And when you got three guys all going for it, who are you going to run with? You know, Lukanen's been getting the wins. Okay. But boy, the other night I'm watching clips and I see him. I'm trying to think of who it was against, but even though he makes a save on a routine point shot, he's a foot outside of his crease and the rebound goes right in front of him and kicks off to his right, uh, pass off to the right. That was Washington. Against Washington. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I think anybody, I think a lot of people, non-goalies especially would look at that goal and go, oh, he had no chance. And I look at it and go, bullshit. If he would have just stayed in his crease, first he would have been able to absorb the initial shot from the point because he would have had a little bit more time to adjust and eat that. And then second, even if it does bounce off of him into the slot and then there's a pass over to his right side, he would only had to travel three and a half feet instead of eight feet to try to get to his post and make that second save. You know, so there's these shades of aggressiveness of him that worry me at times. And I think he, you know, he'll defer to paddle down when he's reaching. He'll get kind of locked. I think with Lukanen, he can play amazing games against teams that don't lift the puck. Okay. He's gotten killed high glove, and I think he covers low really well. Comrie, I'm disappointed with Comrie because I really believed in him at the start of the year. Uh, I still think he's probably a pretty good backup at the NHL level, but I see why they're calling about goalies, right? Why there's been reports that they've looked at goalies. You know, can 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 Andy do another nine? I mean, Andy has like the third highest save percentage in career in playoff history in the NHL. Man, he's like mm-hmm. he's like a nine twenty seven or something. But can you could he really play 22 playoff games door to door? I don't think so. So yeah, I can tell you he can't. Uh, but um, okay, so what do you do? And I said that before. It's a hard decision for Kevin Adams because they made the point to keep three goalies, which yeah, long-term three goalies absolutely sucks. And you've been a part of some three goalie, you know, circus that it's awful. But yeah. What do you do here? You've got, you know, 21 games left. Duffer, do we have 21, 20, 23 whatever it is? 23 games remaining. 23, and 23 they are games, yeah. in the hunt. 
that's the thing here, right, Mike? And this team believes. This team believes, and the players there all believe that Kevin Adams has created a great culture. They like their coach. It's a good vibe, dude. Like, I have them making the playoffs. But I think you're probably going to have to run Luke and out there two out of every three and play Andy one out of every three. And, you know, if somebody gets hurt, maybe Eric hops in there. I mean, if you're looking realistically, you have to look at the win column. Lukanen's had most of those. So it's not going to be an easy decision for Granado. Um, mm-hmm. And I think basically you just have to hope that Thompson and the boys keep filling the net because that's been the greatest strength of the Sabres And hope that they put lead in the puck and they, the other team can't raise the puck, as you pointed <laughs> out, it. because that has Heavy been pucks. my thing too. <laughs> your your breakdown on Lukanen was exactly my breakdown on Lukanen. I don't think he tracks the puck really well. He defers to sliding and protecting the mm-hmm. low ice. He's really good around the net. But as soon as yep. you're 35 feet out and making shots, it's a, it's an adventure after that. So I like that. I like that. Um, I tried to say shut up and couldn't did do it, it either. You did a great job. <laughs> let me, let me um, rattle through a, a few names here. And Mike, if there's any of them that are worthy of a, a follow, like Varlamov. Uh, He's not going anywhere. Uh, Reimer. Hmm. Reimer, it yeah. was quiet. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, James. If you need a, if you need a third goalie, go ahead and get James. But yeah. he's been a he's been a quality number two uh-huh. his whole career. He's never played more than like forty one games in a season. So Ranta, anti Ranta, he's going to be hurt. Big risk. You don't. I'm think just dealing Car- with reality Car- here, man. Carolina's like, just going to keep their three, right? See, I, I, honestly, if I were Carolina, I would. I would want to keep all three. Yes. Yeah. But I, I that's agree. with the eye to the future and also knowing that Kachetkov, I still think Kachetkov could be the guy in playoffs. For and that, that Anderson and Ranta often hurt. Correct. You have yeah. to have all three with them. I know, I know that Varlamov, unless something insane happens, will not be moved. I, Lou Lamorello loves having both of those goaltenders. It's one of the great, it is the greatest strength of the Islanders. Ilya Sorokin mm-hmm. to me, top two goalie in the world. Um, and I think Varlamov is, he'd be a number one for any other team, but he likes being and, there. The team likes having both of them and they have no safety net. Corey Schneider's the only guy left there if, the, right. if one of those two moves on. So, yeah. And is there one team that is presumably carrying very big expectations that you are most concerned about with their goaltending? Hmm. That is a great question. Um, I'm not concerned with Boston not concerned with Tampa Bay. I'm not concerned with Carolina because that three-headed monster somebody's going to come out of and do pretty well. The rate, I don't think of jerseys. I don't think the goalie is going to make a big difference. Toronto is the one I worry about. And I, I look at everything Kyle Dubas has done to make that team better. And I actually think he maybe has done too much. I worry about chemistry on that team with the amount of turnover that's happened, but I understand why he's done it. But you're still telling me Ilya Samsonov, who couldn't grab an NHL crease in the postseason last year for the Washington Capitals or over the course of three full seasons, mm-hmm. is going to be mm-hmm. your guy. When he's been coming back down to earth since the start of the year. Matt Murray? Nope. He's not going to be healthy. And when he's been healthy, it's been all over the place anyway. Teams know how to beat him. I worry about Toronto because I said at the start of the year, and I hold to this, 
no matter what the Leafs do, no matter what Kyle Dubas does to that lineup, if they bow out of the playoffs and goal and it's goaltending, that's it. He's done. It's because of goaltending. He didn't fix the goaltending. And the problem is they're still about a year and a half or a year away from having a real stud in Joseph Wall if he's ever healthy. And that's a question. That kid can play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's no guarantee, you know. What about this, Mike? Quick this or that follow-up. Which one do you have more confidence in? Stuart Skinner and, and the Oilers as a group or Toronto with Samsonov? Which one, this or that? I'd go with the Oilers. Um, okay. And here's why. I think <clears throat> when Campbell gets on a run and he's confident and patient, tracking well, he is a damn good goalie at times. It's just that Jay Woodcroft if he goes with Campbell to start playoffs is going to have to know when to get him the hell out of the net and get Skinner in. Because I think that working in tandem, they can actually accomplish. You can't ride one of them too long. I've liked Skinner for most of his time this year. Um, I I think he's consistent. I don't know if he's a a series stealer, but he's consistent. Whereas Campbell, he rides that wave. So I think I have more confidence just because you got a two-headed monster there, whereas Toronto, like I say, man, like I don't bank on Murray being healthy, mm-hmm. you know, and that's your first thing. Like if you're not there, you can't play. So mm-hmm. um, at least it seems to me Edmonton's got two bullets in the chamber, whereas I think Toronto's got one and three quarters because Wool and Murray are both injury for all. What does Calgary have in the chamber and will they make the playoffs? <laughs> Cal, you know what, Calgary, Calgary, um, I think I did a deep dive on Markstrom. I watched every single goal he allowed this year. <clears throat> and Markstrom has allowed some head scratchers. Okay. He's probably allowed four or five, six goals this year that just make you go, what the hell? And I think that that plays out bad from a visual standpoint. But aside from those, it's been back doors and rush chances and the only critique of his game i really have is that on rushes and and breakaways he gets really low and wide and he gets ripped upstairs and he doesn't move very well laterally because of it but they're also allowing these catastrophic chances against so i don't have concerns with calgary's goaltending. i have concerns with how they play i have bigger concerns with how much that team what that team thinks of their head coach i don't think mm-hmm. they're having any fun in calgary and i think that that's a toxic place to be as a team and i don't know how you fix that and that's just my honest assessment of it. I don't know how you're going to overcome that because they haven't all season. They've been mediocre all season long. Amazing. I love it. I love goalies, Mike, to have both of you on here today. It was absolutely sensational. Um, continued great coverage with Daily Faceoff. Uh, we've enjoyed it immensely. We'll see you soon. Thanks. I wish we had more time. This is fun. <laughs> Thank you, Marty for getting Mike on the podcast this week. Honestly, I could have just sat there and listened for hours. And what's so amazing about sports and especially the goaltending position is when the unexpected happens. Yes. Think about Ottawa acquiring Cam Talbot, but giving up Philip Gustafson and the wild aren't anywhere close because they're being patient with Jesper Wallstadt and they retain flurry. And now all of a sudden, nobody's really talking about Minnesota's goaltending because Gustafson has emerged as a top three. And he's 24 years old. This I actually scratched my head when Dean Avison is like, Oh, uh, Mark Andre Fleury is going to start uh, that night. I'm like, why, why are you doing that? Like Philip yeah. Gustafson is 
the third best goaltender in the National Hockey League when you look at goals save above expected per game. It's Lena Solmark, Ilya Sorokin, which should be there, and then it's Philip Gustafson. He gives them a chance to win every night and keeps yeah. the total low. Again, this time of year, they win a lot of 2 one 3 3 2 games, but that's the way Minnesota is built, and Gustafson's a big part of that. Two more names to touch on before we sign off on this yes. goalie edition of Sabres Live Overtime. We haven't even talked about the defending champions and how they feel about the first year with Georgiev. Do they feel good? Should they feel good? Have you liked them? I've liked them. I've liked Georgiev, who has settled down. I felt like he was so angry in, in, with the Rangers all the time, maybe because he was buying Lundqvist and Shesterkin and wanted to play more. He started the season angry. And then he settled down and he looks very much under control. I have liked Georgiev and the more work he's getting now, the better he's playing. Maybe he didn't like one of his teammates in New York. Yeah. That is anyway. uh, somebody that got moved and uh, now is in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yes. And last one for you, because we've discussed it before and the deadline is still to come and Nashville doesn't look like it's oh. going to be a playoff team. And they've moved Ekholm, one of the great character players organizationally in my opinion from a distance is it possible that somebody comes really really aggressively towards nashville to try to get uc sorrows you're talking about a monumental trade if nashville was able to move sorrows two years left at five million dollar which is so cheap for him the quality of goaltending that has to be a master of a package going back to Nashville. Now, think of who's replacing David Poyle this summer, right? It's going to be Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz always has had solid goaltending everywhere he's gone. Even Brayden Holby winning the cup, like that was Holby at his close to his best. And then Sorokin, Varlamov in New York. Before that, Pecorine in Nashville for years. There has to be a solid goaltender. So I think Barry Trotz, if he wants to be known as the guy that lets UC Saros go at some point uh, and, or help because he's still not the GM now, not until July 1, well, you better get a monster of a return. So I just don't think it's going to happen because of the change of leadership in, in Nashville. It would definitely become the talking point of this oh. year's trade deadline. Yes. Marty, thank you. Thank you to Mike McKenna. Thanks to all the goalie, goalie gurus out there uh, who enjoyed this one. We'll see you soon.